Hi, I'm Brandy. And I'm Tori. And we want to welcome you to Fiction Therapy. In this podcast, real-life mental health professionals slash fantasy enthusiasts unpack, analyze, and fangirl about our favorite books. We dive deep into the characters, adventures, and romances that make them amazing reads. We hope that you have as much fun listening as we do talking about them, and maybe you'll even see things from a new perspective. Welcome back to Akabor Part 2. Yes. Yes. Finally continuing. So exciting. I th- okay, so what's new since last time we recorded? I think it was about a few weeks ago, and we still have new listeners. Like, yeah. dots are popping up all over the map, and that makes me really excited. So That is so exciting. I'm just, like, amazed by that. Yeah, really blown away. I'm like, how are you guys finding this podcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the fact that you're still listening is kind of crazy so we're so appreciative though because it's it's kind of cool it's exciting yeah even though that wasn't our intent it's like it's still a cool thing yeah for sure so before we start you know the drill we mm-hmm. have a few disclaimers yes we'll go through these quickly and um I think you've been putting in the show notes like that they can skip this if they want yes. to right there's always so. a timestamp in the notes just like just to let you know where you need to fast forward to if you want to fast forward through them and not listen to them. Yes. So just a reminder that this podcast was designed for true fans of the books that have already read the books. This is um, not a review of the plot or synopsis. We do include spoilers, as in just if you have not read the book, we are going to be spoiling it. Or if you haven't read all the other books in the Akatar series, you will be spoiled. Mm-hmm. So, in A Court of Thorn and Roses and in all the other books, there are also some spicy scenes, and we do discuss sex in these episodes, so just be mindful of who's around you when you're listening. For sure. And then some other content warnings are, since we focus on mental health, we do talk about trauma, we talk about some abuse, obviously sex, PTSD, toxic romance relationships, and things like that. Um, And then lastly, we always like to say that these are our thoughts and opinions. We know that there are so many varying opinions on SJM's characters and stories, and this is just meant to be an open discussion. We know that you guys are going to have opposing opinions and different thoughts and things, so we don't expect you to agree with everything we say. And um, we actually kind of hope that this kind of spurs on conversation between you guys, if, if you do hear something that's different than your own. Okay, so last time we left off where... They were back in the night court. Yes. Um, she had returned from basically destroying the spring court. Mm-hmm. And the sisters are there. They have dinner. This is kind of where they're orienting Lucian to, like, the inner circle and to the night court. But really, like, Valaris. Poor Lucian. He's just in a whirlwind of yeah. emotion and uh-huh. in this book. Yeah. And I think we actually talked about them going to talk to Amran after that dinner where they decided they have to have the, the like High Lords meeting. Yes. So they're sending out invitations for that stuff too. And Lucian has kind of agreed to help them mm-hmm. to do what he can to help the cause. Yes. So where we pick up is um, chapter 18 where um, Reese has decided that they need to meet with the Court of Nightmares and ask Kier to fight in the war with his, like, Dark Legion, or Darkbringer Legion. Yes. It's such a cool name. <laughs> Darkbringers. 
But I think we actually already talked about that. Did we already this. talk about that? Yeah. Because mm -hmm. we did talk about the meeting with, like, where Eris showed up. And then Moore got really angry. Oh, that yeah. That Reese agreed to let Kier into the city. Yes. So I right. think we're at the part where Feyre goes to see Nesta and tells her about the wall. Okay, yeah. And she's trying to get Nesta to, like, help and mm -hmm. thinks that she can detect weaknesses in the wall and yeah. maybe use that to their advantage. Yes. So they're like, hey, Nesta, you and Amran team up and help with the holes. Basically ask Nesta to, like, will you come to the meeting with us and tell them your story? And she's like, absolutely not. Yeah. So she throws a hissy bit. She's not very helpful mm -mm. in the first part of this book. Um, but, you know, whatever works for Nesta has to work for everyone else. Exactly. Because that's her attitude. Whatever she decides is what goes. Um, I do remember this part was kind of cute for me. Like the part where, I don't remember what it is they disagreed on, but Reese and Feyre had like a spat in front of people. Oh yeah, he said something about Nesta. Okay. He said, um, oh, what was it? I can't remember. Some insult. And she turns around and she's like, um, that's my sister. Yeah. And, like, you will not talk about her like this. Yeah. Which leads them to that conversation of, like, I think she is kind of like, hey, Reese, I'm sorry for disagreeing with you. I feel like we should put up a united front. Yeah, she tries to apologize. And yeah. he's like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. I married you to boss me around, basically. Yes. So, I love that. That's a beautiful... <laughs> it is. And I think it's a great juxtaposition to what she was expecting from somebody like yeah. Tamlin. Right? So, she felt like she was going to get in trouble, maybe, for, like, disagreeing with yeah. him. And be, like, scolded for that. And so, then they decided... In front of our inner circle and our friends, we can disagree. Yes. But, like, let's do have a united front in front of others. And so I think they kind of came to a, a good compromise on that. Because she was saying, I want to I present united front. Mm -hmm. And Reese was like, yeah, but I still want to always hear your mind. Like, yeah. I want you to feel free to speak your mind with me. He loves that she challenges him. Because he feels like no one will challenge him because he's they're so afraid. powerful yeah. and they're afraid. I think that's a really um, great example of a really healthy couples discussion. Like, I remember reading this and just being like, this is, which obviously it's fictional and it was written by a woman and we know all that, but this is just a really healthy, agreed, like, fruit of a good relationship. Yes. To see that ability to come to a compromise and to disagree to problem solve, all of those are great. Instead of one party just having all of the say and saying yeah. like this is the this is the decision end of story. That's mm -hmm. quite... it's a great balance. Yes. So amongst all this great balance and happy conversation and cohesion, we have Cassian who's mad that Pharaoh left. Yes. And he's like, I can't believe you did this. And that was such a sad part to me because and I remember him talking about, you know, when you were he, he tells Feyre, when you were Reese's mate, you were his to protect. Mm. But when you became High Lady, you were mine to protect. Yeah. I, I remember that. And I was just like, oh, that's that's so true. Like, it's, it's a completely different perspective. But, yeah. This is, like, where the, the weird, tingly feelings come up with those kind of words for me. With, like mine mm -hmm. and that's I think that's one of the biggest complaints about like Faye the way writers portray 
the mating bond often of where it's like you're mine and I'm yours that can kind of feel I don't know it's good it's fuzzy and delicious I don't to me it feels a little bit like codependency oh well yeah I guess (laughs) since we're talking about the mental health side (laughs) so I kind of squeak about that I'm like I'm yours to protect? I don't really know about oh, that. Oh, I guess when you, I, I'm, I kind of tend to straight with the, like protecting. I'm like, um, she's a strong, independent woman who can yes. protect herself. That's where it comes in, yeah. But I, there's a little small part of me that's just like, oh, she gushy. I love it. There's so many parts to me, yeah. But then that one part that's like, I kind of see Farrah's side of it. Farrah was like, uh, that's a dumb argument. Essentially, is what she's like. I can pr- kind of protect my own self. I think is kind of what she says. And but like, I think he comes back with, it's not that you can't protect yourself, but it's my job to respect you and be there for you and, you know, be that person that you can turn to and trust. Mm-hmm. It's a trust thing. Yeah. No, and I, of course, I always I always land on SJM side of things where I'm like, it doesn't really matter because it's fiction. It's kind yeah. of like what I end up with, but I do love the like very intense loyalty that the inner circle has oh especially yeah. like you kind of think like how long have they really known vera right so it kind of reflects how much they respect and love reese that they have just oh, yeah. completely lumped her in like if she's our high lady then we we completely trust and embrace your choice yeah like no matter that we are still getting to know Farah. She's it. Like, we're going to protect her with our lives. Yes. And I felt like the moment she walked through the door, before she even really knew anything about Reese's feelings or anything, they were just like, she's ours. Like, mm-hmm. this is our girl. We've yeah. got to fight for her, protect mm-hmm. her. She's ours. And found family trope will I, just get I you right it. in the heart. Look, and I have read a lot of books, an embarrassing amount of books. Um, it's what February. I'm halfway to my Goodreads goal <laughs> already. So like, I've read a lot of books, mm-hmm. and I have yet to find anything that compared to this tight knit inner circle to me. Mm-hmm. And which I mean, obviously there there are characters in Throne of Glass that I feel are um, pretty similar, and you know, there's um, Jennifer L. Armentrout's really good about writing that kind of trope. But I, I just have not found anything that gave me those fuzzy feelings that I get with the inner circle Agreed. in Akatar. Mm-hmm. There's something special. I really agree. And there's so many videos out there on TikTok. So I know that so many other people agree that like Akatar just leaves you with this hangover where you can't really find anything that quite compares. Like there's such good fantasy out there. Yeah. But it's, this is just a unique vibe that you get from Akatar. It's a unique emotion and a unique high that I haven't found in any other series. Yes. I think um, after I read Akatar, I immediately went into Throne of Glass. And I won't say anything about Throne of Glass because I know a lot of you haven't read it, but I think that's the closest thing mm-hmm. to curing the hangover, but it still doesn't even come close. Yeah. The only reason it's helpful is because it's the same style of writing. You know, it's Sarah mm-hmm. J. Moss's just amazing way of creating relationships and you know that's just that's what we love to read and it helped but it was even that being so high up in my mind it still did not even compare like there's just nothing I'm so sorry like if you want something to compare (laughs) to the Akatar feelings you get after you read it just 
reread it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why that's so common is like, we all have a mile long list of TBR, but we often <laughs> reread. I've reread these books yeah. an embarrassing amount of times. And you know, I told you, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I've talked about the book so much that, um, my husband's kind of gotten a little <laughs> interested and I got it in my mind back a few months ago that I was going to, I was going to be a professional audiobook reader. So I've been Ooh. like reading these books out loud to John. That's yeah. Awesome. Out loud. And you know, we're, we've so gone through. Exciting. Yeah. So we're in a court of wings of ruin and even him, you know, he, he has no connection. He does not like to read, which is why I'm reading them to him. <laughs> and even he is just enraptured by this story and these relationships and so it's it's I think it's kind of universal across the board I've never met yeah. anyone who didn't like Akatar if they had read all three of them yeah so same I did Rick I did lend my Kindle version of Akatar like Thorns and Roses to a friend who's not a reader and I was telling her I was like if you just give it a chance I feel like you're gonna like it and <laughs> she returned it in a few days <laughs> and like didn't ever say anything to me so I was like oh. okay listen she's just not into it and like Rejection. I respect that I respect that but it's like if you're a reader if you're into this if this is your thing I don't know anybody who dislikes yeah. it well I do have a friend that um that read book one and then never picked it back up and I was like please Ma'am. please trust me just read book two <laughs> like get 30 pages into book two and if it doesn't if you still don't want to read it, that's fine. But mm-hmm. And she never picked up book two. And I'm like, oh. and she was like, it's just not super well written. And I'm like, of course it's not. Because Tamlin is not in game. Yeah. And so. See, I, gotta, I beg to differ on that part too. Because like, even when I was fully team Tamlin, I was into the books. <sighs> I was just like. I think she's a great writer. Like, I, I was kept still reading because it. I wanted to see what the Night Court was like. I was kind of like, this romance is not really written well. Like, mm-hmm. I had I had harsh judgments, which we talked about that like in the first podcast, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. And then um, as soon as I started reading Mist and Fury, I was like, oh, I'm done. Like, I'm trash for this book. <laughs> um, <laughs> even before she was with Reese, I was like, I'm trash for this. Wow. So... So interesting. No, yeah, I just I think like to summarize that tangent, these books have something special. Yes. And it keeps you wanting more of that. And so praise the Lord she's not done with the series. <laughs> we have we still have stuff to read. Yes. So back to um, you know, the book and mm-hmm. off of our little rabbit trail we got on. Basically she starts training with Cassian, and I love these few chapters where they're spending time together, because I love Cass, and that's where he, like, brings it up to her, that basically he's been mad at her, um, they have that confrontation. This is when she also starts training with Azriel to fly, fly. and, you know, when I first read that she was going to train with Azriel, I had this picture in my head of him just being... The most amazing instructor and him just being so patient and kind and loving and, you know, just feeding this growth. And he was not, Mm -hmm. he was not the best teacher. He like pushed her off of a rock or something like that. She like hit full force into a tree at one point and Mm. he was just, had no sympathy. He was like, (laughs) 
Oh, that that sucks. You hit a tree. I want to see Azriel teach a kindergarten class. <laughs> see, that's what I've I've seen so many memes that are like Cassian with Feyre, and it's like you know cuddling her and being like, "Oh, we love you, Feyre," you know, being so soft and sweet, and Azriel just like straight shoves her off a mountain and is like, yeah. "Do the thing, like fly." And I think that's so backwards to what you might expect because Cassian comes off as such a brute, but oh, he's, he's a cinnamon roll. He's such a soft boy. I love him. And Azriel's precious, but I just, I don't know. I stick with this. Now I'm picturing Azriel in front of a kindergarten class <laughs> and I just see them like tearing the room apart and him just sitting there like, it's fine. Yeah. He has such a calm where it's like, he's not soft, but he's very at peace. Mm -hmm. Just like no matter, is it peace? No, like no matter what's <laughs> happening, even at the table, if everybody is like going crazy, he just is so quiet, stoic. Yeah, yeah. So that could be inner peace, or it could be I don't know dissociation. I don't know. I read a bonus chapter in Silver Flame that makes me think it is not inner peace. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <gasps> oh my God, you're so right. I hope that we get more Azrael in Book Five. I wouldn't mind a whole Azrael book. Oh yeah, I wouldn't I'm mind. For that. A Bat Boys, like, prequel. Mm-hmm. Ooh. That'd be amazing. Bat Boys prequel. Did you hear that, SJM? She doesn't listen to this podcast. Maybe one day. If anybody knows SJM, tell her we have some golden ideas on here that we yeah. would like to pass along. Along with the five million other fans that she has on Earth. No, we're special. <laughs> <laughs> We've probably done more rereads. <laughs> probably so. Than any person should. Okay, so plot. Let's get back to the <laughs> We're going to get an email from SJM, like, recommending counseling. <laughs> Listen, I'm already there. I already talk to my therapist about these books sometimes. And your clients. Oh, yeah. Um, thank the Lord I have some clients who bring them up themselves. And once they do, I'm like, oh, honey, you just opened up a door. <laughs> you just opened up... A section of conversation that you were not prepared for. But you you said, um, I know we need to get back to the plot, but you said before you've been able to like use these books as examples and things for coping with trauma and everything, right? Yes. That's so cool. I have had a client sit in front of me with tears in their eyes explaining how a character's arc helped them processed, process their trauma. And wow. that they saw their own trauma growth through this character's perspective that's amazing it is it's outstanding and that's why i love like I, you will hear me just like be the biggest fan of sjm books because of that and especially silver flame but even these books mm -hmm. as well like she writes in such a way that really help people connect and i mean i experienced the same kind of growth through them as well so i can't i can't say enough about how much i love sjm for that reason for her connection oh, yeah. to mental health in her books like, I'm already excited about doing some of her other books. Just because there's always going to be that theme of growth and mental health and girl power. Absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, Pharaoh talks about, to Reese, how she's never been to a library. And what a shame. I know. Isn't that so sad? Which I guess there aren't any in the human lands. Mm -hmm. They can't even find food. I doubt there's books. Um, so, yeah. she goes to the Night Court Library. And I just, I love the library in the yes. House of Wind. I just, I love it so much. And she meets Clotho. Yes. 
Which I say clotho, so that's so clotho? interesting. Yeah. We could say clotho. I don't know which one is correct, once again, with the Dagden and Branham with. <laughs> I was like, I just, I only, got, I only got what I got, so. That's <laughs> well, okay. Clotho, clotho, potato, potato. Uh-huh. So, she can't speak, though. It's really sad, but I think she uses her magic really well mm-hmm. to combat that. It's not yes. really important, but I wanted to throw it out there. No, she's amazing, and she plays a bigger part in Silver Flame as well. I love yes. that. And they're doing some research about the wall. Oh my god, that's so funny to me. They were like, let's go to the library and work. And Clotho like brings these books and like tea and snackies. And they 100% just like start making out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, then Reese like we leaves. Really need to focus here. Yeah. But then like. He like does a total tease and then disappears. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'd be so mad. <laughs> um, I don't think they really find anything. They kind of catch up with Amran and Nesta. I would just really like to see an Amran Nesta magic lesson. I think we talked about this last time, but mm-hmm. you know, I think about like the Reese and Feyre magic lessons, like how yeah. loving they were and how um, teasy, teasy, and the tutelage was just—that's a really good word. Um, was just really, you know, it was really sweet and really helpful. And then I just picture Amran screaming at Nesta. Mm-hmm. Or, like, having a ruler and, like, swatting at her or something. Just being like, pay attention. Yes. But I feel like Nesta would give it back to her 100%. Oh, yeah. It would be horrible. It would be destructive. (laughs) I need a book about that. So then they figure out that they should go to the prison. Yes. So, Reese, Feyre, and Cassian go to the prison. Reese has to leave her there. Well, I think Reese just takes them, like, by winnowing. And mentions that um, he. This is kind of where we get Cassian's backstory, where like he says something about Cassian putting people in prison, mm-hmm. and then Feyre and Cassian talk about that, about like his role in the inner circle, and that he's put so many people in this prison, and that he like respects all of the, you know, huge amounts of power that these beings have. Oh yeah. Why couldn't yeah. Reese go? I forgot. There was some reason. I don't remember what he was doing. Maybe he had somewhere to be. Maybe so. An eyebrow waxing appointment? (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I think it was a different reason. He's like, I already canceled this once when you came back from the spring court. I can't cancel it again. (laughs) Oh, I love that they go, though. Mm -hmm. So, basically, they see the carver. I love the bone carver. And they talk about... What do they talk about in this meeting with the carver? Well, this is the meeting that... Feyre figures out that the carver is appearing to her as her and Reese's child. Yes. And that was like a big deal. She didn't realize it last time, but uh-huh. she looks and she sees like um, the kid has like her mouth and Reese's eyes and all this stuff. Which like we did, but... Yeah. The carver says that he can smell his sister on Feyre. So that's the weaver. And then he also says that rock, darkness, and sea all shuddered in fear at what happened on the island across the sea, which is where Nesta emerged from the cauldron. So this is where we get a hint that, like, everybody, all the powerful beings have, like, seen a blip on their radar. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, okay, Nesta has a lot of power. Yes. And I think it so beautifully sets up future books, Uh you know, with that. Definitely. And so... Okay, um, but yes, this is where... They're trying to convince the carver to work with them. Yeah. 
okay, now it's back in my head. So they're like, hey, what can we give you? And the carp is like, P.S. I don't want to leave. P.S. I'm here for a reason. And I want I to be love here. It here. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I put myself here for a really good reason. Um, so they're like, okay, well, what do you want? And this is where he's like, you need to get the Ouroboros. I was wondering how you were going to say that word. Is that how you, how I think say? I said Ouroboros. That's about the same. Ouroboros. 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 Or. Or. Ouroboros. No. <laughs> so this is where the carver says um, that he meant to be there. Um, and long ago, okay, here's a big theory in my brain. Ooh. Long ago, a fey warrior tricked Striga into diminishing her power and becoming confined to the middle. Koshay was confined uh, and bound on the continent. He says that the Fae was clever, but her bloodline is long gone now, uh, but a trace still runs through some human line. And I feel like this is the Archeron line that Amarantha said. Amarantha said that it was an ancient Fae name. Remember that? Back in Akatar, she was like, ooh, Feyre. Mm-hmm. You know, like, why, why an ancient Fae name? And we were all like, I don't know. Why and then would she her recognized Archeron, too. Yes. So I feel like maybe the Fae was Archeron bloodline. The mm-hmm. Fae that he's referring to here. So do we think that the Archeron sisters' transitions into being Fae maybe went so smoothly because they already had some blood somewhere? Yes. Ooh. Definitely. That's my, that's my theory here. Hmm. Well, he doesn't want to leave. No. And he's giving story time, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And he wants that mirror. But that mirror, is, it's like when you look into it, you see your true self and you go mad. Yes. It's called a window to the world where it could all be seen and told through its surface. And Kier has it. I wish we had one of those in the counseling world. Oh, man. Maybe not. <laughs> it could be really be... helpful or really not helpful. It would be like extreme exposure therapy. It's like, let's not go into this lightly at all. Just look in this mirror and you're going to process all your trauma in five seconds. <laughs> that would be intense. Oof. So um, they decide it's not worth it because mm-hmm. nobody's willing to give up their sanity. Yeah, which like basically they say nobody has ever looked into it and survived. Yeah. Meaning like physically looked in the mirror and survived. They also kind of speculate about Nesta's power. It could be death. Yes. The carver. Which I feel like SJM is always sprinkling in little, like, hints about the future. And this is, like, the second time that the word death god or Mm -hmm. death has come up. For sure. So now we're back to um, Elaine. Mm. (laughs) Favorite topic. struggling (laughs) still. Shocker. Shocker there. (sighs) She's talking in riddles, though, and they're, I guess they just kind of think she's crazy. Like, I really just think they're I just think like, she's crazy. Mm, Elaine has lost her marbles. Lucian's trying to help. Lucian can't help. She yeah. hates Lucian. Mm-hmm. She wants to be married to that awful human boy. guy who's yeah. so mean. Um, so Lucian is like, listen, we need to get her out of the house. Yeah. And he asks. And that's not a bad idea. He also is... Lucian is curious about Nesta as well. Um, And this is where we get that line from Nesta that says, I made it give something back. Oh, yes. That was was crazy. 
that was crazy to me, you know, that she she took something from the cauldron. Mm-hmm. Like, that's scary. Yes. Nesta is a force. I love her so much. And I think later in the, is it later in the book? I can't remember when it is, but I remember there's a time when we get the cauldron's perspective, and he's talking, or he, she, whatever. <laughs> um, it is talking about how when Elaine went in, it like loved her and wanted to give it, <laughs> wanted to give her a gift. And then Nesta went in, and the cauldron was like, "Whoa, <laughs> what is happening here?" So Nesta is outstanding. I love her so much. I don't love Nesta until later books. I won't spoil anything because I feel like there are some people that haven't read Silver Flame that have read all of these. But um, that is the book that made me love her. Yeah. But still. I think it's clear that that's her, like, redemption arc. But in all of my hating on Nesta, I still love her better than Elaine. Mm Mm-hmm. Elaine is just, I just, We haven't been given enough information about Elaine to love Elaine, no. Have we not? I don't think so. Because it's the same with Nesta. I didn't like Nesta before Silver Flame. I guess so. So if we got an Elaine book, I know, like, I have faith in SJM that she could write a backstory to make us feel things for her. I just felt like the most useful she was is when she was making bread that one time. (laughs) (laughs) It was the night court, though. (laughs) Like, that wasn't even at home. It was this book. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't at home. It was in the night court. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what good was she at home? She wasn't. She wasn't at all. (laughs) Ooh, we'll keep that for another day. Um... So she does note, Feyre notices Asriel and Elaine though, and she asks Feyre why Elaine and Asriel aren't mates when they are better suited. Mm. Well, like, she kind of is wondering, like, what determines it? And Reese says that the mating bond can be rejected. So this is where we learn about, like, it's easier for females, but the males can basically be driven mad if, like, the mating bond is rejected. Um... And that, that others, you know, sometimes people feel like they're entitled to the female, so it can seem like a possession thing. And so mm-hmm. I think this is where I started to understand more about the mating bond and that it can be a really beautiful thing or it can be a real, like, toxic caveman situation. Yeah, like, primal. Yes. But not in the, like, sexy way. No. In the, ooh, <laughs> I don't love this. Yeah. In the, in the way that's like, mm, red flag. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of things in the fae world, like, obviously it's fantasy, but mm-hmm. a lot of things can either go to the side of, oh, this is so precious, this is so sweet, this is so sexy, or can veer to the side of, oh, this is psychotic. Mm-hmm. Just depends on your perspective yep. and who it is. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. So then we get, like, my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the book is when they go back to the Court of Nightmares. And Feyre is high lady instead mm-hmm. of Reese's plaything. Um, oh, <laughs> hold on. Hold up. Didn't we talk about this in the last episode? Did we get too excited and go too early? I think so. I think I, I think I mentioned the fact that they like met with Eris and stuff, but that was a not what happened. <laughs> That's what and happened. I just ran with it, I'm sure. Yeah, th- this, is, this is happening now. Okay, so all of you who listened to the last podcast and were thinking, wow, they are crazy. Uh, we just got excited. We do be crazy. So now, they could, <laughs> we will like talk about it all over again, but mm-hmm. if you want to hear about it, go back to the last yeah. episode. But this is where we get the like, 
they're equals now. Yeah, and he's like, bow. Right. She's not on his lap anymore. It's more of like a her sitting in the throne. He purges on the side. That is, oh, I just love that. I love it. Mm -hmm. And then Eris comes in, and Moore is really upset. Yes. Because they're there to talk to Kier about his Darkbringers. And also, they're trying to get the Ouroboros. Yes. So, here's where... Do you feel like Sarah J. Moss was like, I made Reese too perfect. I need to give him a moment where he messes up. I don't know. Maybe. Because, I mean, she seems like the type of author who wants to portray reality as well. Yeah. You know, like she gives everybody This was the only moment I was mad at him. Really? Through the whole series. Like, even um, there's some back and forth about him in Silver Flame. And even then, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. angry but I, I I didn't feel good about this yeah. I was like you know Moore went through this crazy trauma to where not only was she re- rejected and ridiculed but like had a sign nailed to her stomach and we know we've been told that there's more to the story and maybe Eris isn't the bad guy we thought mm-hmm. but the bottom line is, is this he is who she connects all this with and he's a major trigger for her. Yeah, and Reese knew that she dad. was going to respond this way. And obviously she responds badly to her father, and we put them all in the same room together and did not warn her. Mm-hmm. I just don't love that. Well, he didn't know about Eris. I think Eris was a surprise to him as well. No, he knew. He knew that Eris mm-hmm. was going to come in the meeting? Yep. What? He knew. Um, because I remember reading about that, and he said he needed the element of surprise or something like that. And Pharaoh was like, maybe that wasn't the best call. Yikes. And, I didn't realize that. And he, and I remember he knew because he said, well, we have to make choices like this in war. And Pharaoh's like, well, we don't make choices that hurt our family. Mm. And it's like, you oh. tell him, Pharaoh. I love her. I just love her. Yeah. She is awesome she really is but so that uh, trouble in family paradise yeah which is why i like once again i like their relationship because on the page you get to see them working out that kind of stuff when they do disagree whereas with her and tamlin he was so not demeaning domineering yeah that she did not feel able to say that kind of stuff to him yeah yeah, so he, his presence, his aura, I feel, was it's just that, like, gruff, you're going to do what I say, and I have the final word, um, or else I'm going to blow a desk at you and, you know, hit you with it. I know <laughs> that we um, we have it written down for our Hot Takes episode to talk about, like, Enneagram characters of the different, mm-hmm. um, Enneagram types for the different characters, but... I'm, I would really be curious to know what Tamlin is. Like, yeah. I know we can discuss that later, but just kind of mull that in your brain. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's one of the hardest to place yes. into a category. It's, the Enneagram is hard to talk about anyone, especially if they're fictional, though. Right, yeah. Because it's all about motivations and childhood wounds. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have the, the fictional character's full backstory, then it's hard to talk about it. I guess that's why I've had so much trouble, because, like, with Farah, I feel like I knew what hers was immediately, but we got her whole backstory, what drives her, because mm-hmm. we it's in her point of view. Yes. 
So maybe we should look at, instead of doing Enneagram, doing like a different personality type or something. Maybe so. Or we could just debate it, you know, about the Enneagram. But yeah, it's going to be hard to, I mean, I don't, I personally don't believe in typing anyone about the Enneagram. Right. So we will still just, it'll just be all speculation. Yeah. Super fun. I love that. And maybe even just, I don't know. Anyway. Excited about Um, it. We're such Enneagram nerds. (laughs) Yes. So obviously more is hurt and betrayed. But Kira does say that anytime Pharaoh wants it, she can have the mirror. Yeah. He is pretty much like, honey, if you can look into it and then grab it and take it, like, you're welcome to it. Because he doesn't believe she ever will. Yeah. <sighs> and this is where we get the hint that, like, maybe we don't know the full story about Eris. Through yes. this, through this like, scene, I think all the readers were like, oh, what? Like, mm-hmm. he's not the villain here? I don't know. I need an heiress book. Yeah. I want the answer to that for sure. And heiress just wants them to um, back him to be high lord if he helps them. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. feel like that's too much to ask for. Baron no. is such a bad high lord. I feel like no one can yeah. be worse. Yeah. We've already established that Amran is like, let's just kill everybody but Lucian. Mm-hmm. So I think it's clear that most people hate the family. Yeah. <laughs> hate Baron. But cares... Um, stipulation for using his dark bringer legion is to get to come to Valaris. Yeah. This Ugh. is I hated this. I hated this so much. I was like you didn't have to crush everything that more holds dear. Mm-hmm. Cuz like Valaris and the inner circle are what she has. Mm-hmm. And he invited her father into one of those, you know. Mm-hmm. Which really sucks. And it's and he just agreed. He didn't discuss with her. That's another thing. I was like, Reese, my man, what are you doing? Yeah. Seems like a bad choice. Mm. So, moving on to, from that plot, though, Amran does find out that Feyre and Cassian went to see the bone carver. And she's like, or Feyre wants to know, Amran, how did you get out? And she says that she had to give herself up. So basically, she's like, I just gave up my power. It's kind of like, how she did you like read that? She was like a whole different, um, hmm. She basically species? put, her, put like, herself into a high fae body. Yeah. Yeah. And she was this super powerful being, and she, I think she was a warrior or a messenger or something, and mm-hmm. it's that just is a lot to wrap your brain around but she's so powerful that she could just wipe out civilizations you know and that's how she got out and oh no emotions they had no emotions Mm. I remember her saying that is that like the love she feels for all those people would disappear if she were back in her yes normal yeah but I think when even she was describing her family back in her like true Amran form I think, I might be wrong, but I think she described feeling things that her other family members didn't. Yeah. She was like, I was different. Like, Amryn was the weakling in yeah. her pack. Yes. And now she comes here and she's like, God is so Not the weakling. <laughs> Not <Yeah>. the weakling. <laughs> but anyway, she was like, yeah, I mean, I basically just transformed myself into a high fae body and walked out. <laughs> and everybody was like, Okay. Yeah, it said in the book she was originally a messenger and a soldier for a wrathful god in a young world. Mm. Hm. Which I feel like 
her storyline and talking about the different worlds is one of those possible doorways to do is it a the crossovers. Of glass yeah, like to do the crossovers because everybody's speculating that like Throne of Glass, Akatar, and Crescent City will have crossovers at some point well you know there uh, i won't go into it because i know a lot of you haven't read it but there actually is a moment in throne of glass that um Akatar is referenced yes so it's in silver flame right well it or, they talk about it in silver flame but in it happens in kingdom of ash yes in throne of glass yeah i'm saying but in Akatar, i thought it was yeah mentioned they, in silver it's flame. mentioned in silver flame yeah so i think the that is maybe where worlds collide because like with throne of glass there's you know portals and Mm -hmm. word keys and things like that so i i feel like she could definitely do it she wants to she could do it not sure how she could do it with crescent city but i would be curious to find out i'll leave it at that yeah i don't want to talk too much about crescent city but i see a way i feel like i'm avoiding crescent city altogether since Mm -hmm. the new one came out and i haven't read it yet because hosab is out (laughs) yes Okay. Um, who's Sav? Oh, House of Scarab. Oh, that's why I, I was like, say it. Oh, Sav. <laughs> um, awesome. I'm always like Brandy always has the bookish lingo because she has book talk, and I'm like one of those people who hasn't moved into the year 2022 yet, so I don't have a book talk. It's so addicting. Or, a tic- it's called a TikTok. <laughs> it's like book talk on TikTok. Yeah, I, it, Brandy sends me. Like links, yeah. like old fashioned links <laughs> to the TikToks. <laughs> I said something about book talk to my husband the other day, and he was like, "What? What is this?" I was like, "I don't know." But anyway, um, I don't even know what the point of that was. But I keep you up to date. You keep me up to date with my old fashioned links. Mm-hmm. So she's my point was she's up to date on all the lingo, and I am always behind because I do good to do Instagram. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say. The acronym H-O-S-A-B, though, I'm just saying, that's what I say in my head oh, when yeah. I see the acronym, and I say, I say HOSAB. HOSAB. Which is not super pretty, but... Akatar. It's better than House of, House of Sky and Breath. That's what I say. <laughs> I do that no, I don't even say that. I say Crescent City 2. CC2. CC2. Okay, um, so back to the real reason we're here. Um... So, they've invited all these people to the High Lords meeting mm-hmm. that they discussed, and they start getting some responses. Um, yes. Not a lot of responses. Only, like, 50% response rate, but right. still. And they start arguing over where they should have it. Mm-hmm. So. And then Lucian is like, listen, we should really get a healer to come see Elaine. <laughs> and everybody's like, okay. Nobody cares. <laughs> I'm kind of like, is Lucian really the first person who has thought, like, maybe we should get her in to see a therapist? Um, but yeah, anyways, the healer comes, and she's like, there's literally nothing I can see wrong with her. And they tell them, let Lucian poke around. And basically, they're like, just let him be around her and see if he feels any vibes from the main moment. <laughs> And then they do, and it's, like, so bad. Elaine is, like, shook. And then everybody's looking at Lucian and, like, what did you do? And he's, like, I didn't do anything, but Elaine is having a big breakdown about it. How did you feel about that? Like, how did you read that part? (sighs) 
I don't know. Um, I think like he brushed up against her mental shields or whatever. Yeah. Kind of like not how even physically touch her. Which I didn't really know until this moment that all mates could do that. Or to, to some extent. Like the bond. I kind of thought that was just a recent favorite thing because they were both Daimati. Daimati. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is kind of the first time we get insight that there's a little bit of a psychic bond between mates. Maybe not to the extent. Like, I can't fathom Lucian and Elaine, like, playing scenes in each other's head. You mm-hmm. know, I think that is That's more like the Daimati thing. thing. But um, I didn't really know until this point that there was... I would call it like a psychic link. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like she flipped. And I feel like with all the weird stuff going on around, this should have been the least of Elaine's concern. Mm-hmm. Like this is the least weird thing that's happened today. Probably. And it's probably a Tuesday where nothing weird has happened, but it's still the least weird thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I felt like she overreacted, but oh, that's for me. Sure. That's me too. I was like, poor Lucian. Like, everybody thought that he did something bad, and he probably, like, tapped on a window or something. And Elaine was like, oh, my God. Like, don't come near me, Lucian. Oh, my God. I just feel so bad for Lucian because I love Lucian so much. Mm -hmm. And I pick on him so much. But it's because I love him so much. He's like Mm -hmm. a burnt cinnamon roll, you know. (laughs) And I read one time that, and I thought this was really interesting, that Lucian is who Feyre would have become if she had not had the support of Reese and the Inner Circle. Tell me more about that. Like, just being... As, a, like, as opposed to his... Um, connected to Tamlin, okay. having nowhere else to go because mm-hmm. of past trauma in the family. You know, they kind of have similarities Similarities there. Feyre didn't have a good relationship with her family. Lucian didn't have a really good relationship with his family. He... Felt like he owed Tamlin something because Tamlin took care of him in a time where he needed to be taken care of. Feyre felt like she owed Tamlin. Mm-hmm. You know, and Lucian never had anybody to say, hey, you're your own person. Like, you don't owe anyone anything. You should grow. You should be healthy. Mm-hmm. Let's process this trauma together. You know, all these good things that Reese and the Inner Circle did for Feyre, Lucian did not get. And you know, he was under the mountain, too. He had his own deal. He was beat at one point. You know, there everyone suffered under the mountain. It yeah. was, like, collectively everyone. No one had it really better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we think Feyre and Reese probably had it a little worse. But everyone suffered. I don't know how I would beg to differ, though, because she was down there for, like, three months. They all were. No, he was down there for 50 years. Oh, that's true. Feyre had it probably the least bad of everybody. Yeah, but I feel like her life was threatened more. Yeah, that's true. And she was doing the trials. Yeah. But it's just like she had three really horrible months, whereas mm-hmm. everybody else had 50 years. Am I wrong there? Yep. But they weren't all trapped under the mountain for 50 years. Yeah. It was some, like Some people were just like... The spring court was out because they had the masks. Yeah, that's stuff. true. But anyway, the, the point is, um, if... Reese and the Inner Circle had never intervened. Pharaoh would have gone on to marry Tamlin mm-hmm. eventually. May not have been that first time. But she would have married him. She would have been his consort or his wife or whatever. And she would have been stifled her whole life, mm-hmm. which is basically what Tamlin's been doing to Lucian. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I always, like, have a special place in my heart for Lucian because I feel like he could have been such a different character 
if things had gone differently for him. For sure. And then I remember reading, I think it was on Pinterest or something, it was like a Reddit post that I saw someone say that Lucian was who Farrah would have become. Mm-hmm. And so, like, ever since then, I've just been kind of looking at it from that perspective, and I can definitely see where they yeah. got that. Me too. Me so. too, definitely. Anyway, poor Lucian is made into Elaine, and we feel so bad for him. Yeah. And this is the scene where we hear Elaine say, twin ravens are coming, one white and one black, which sets us up for a big thing that happens in the library. But everybody's just like, okay, Elaine is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah. She do not know what she's talking about. Do you feel like the first time you read this, you caught it? Like, maybe she's telling the future? I didn't. I didn't see that. And I don't know if I was just focused on the, a different plot line, but usually I'm looking for clues like that in books, and I didn't see this one. Uh, but it made a ton of sense, and I was like, oh, okay, so we're introducing kind of a new power. Like, mm-hmm. she's the seer. And I didn't, I just wasn't, I was not paying enough attention. I thought she was just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes do pick up on stuff like that, but because it's like I said, I'm looking for it. So maybe right. in this one, I just like was not looking for it at all. Yeah. But essentially everybody except Hamlin has agreed and they're kind of fighting about the place. Like, where is that going to happen? And so then Asriel is training Feyre and this is where we get the the big backstory about Miriam, Draken, and Nef. How do you say, you say Draken? I say Draken. Draken is how I say it. Draken. Seraphim is the being. Where's mm-hmm. the, Where's her name though? Neff something. Um, the like small, <laughs> small word. Nefel. Nefel. Is yeah. that how you said it? Yeah. Nefel. She's the cartographer. Yeah. So Azrael tells this like inspiring story about Nefel. Uh, kind of, I think, trying to encourage Feyre mm-hmm. that. Even if this feels pointless because you don't feel like you're going to be able to fly really well Mm -hmm. by the time the war happens, you never know what your effort can contribute to. Yeah, any bit of training can help. Yes. And I think that's, you know, that's one of those lessons that can bleed over into the real world. Like, you never know what's going to come in handy, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's always good to always be learning and training and, you know, doing stuff with your mind. You You never know what piece of information or could be of use to you in a time of like crisis yeah or learned coping mechanisms like Mm -hmm. if you want to go the counselor route you know you never know what's going to be really helpful so I I love that story I really I've said this before I really want a Miriam Draken book yeah can you tell I want a lot of books like I'm just not ready (laughs) to leave behind this world we just need you to keep writing about every aspect of this world please so they saved Miriam they say they, that Reese, Cassian, and Azrael have adopted the Nefel philosophy mm-hmm. that your greatest weakness can sometimes be your biggest strength. And the most unlikely person can alter the course of history. That's so beautiful. Oh, I love, love that. I need to get that printed. I need to get like a tattoo of that <laughs> if I wasn't afraid of needles. Amen. Um, okay, but I have to say this. I have to say this. Chapter 30 is where Elaine says that thing to Cassian. He snapped your wing, broke your bones, and he says it will take, or no, Cassian says, it'll take more than that to kill me, Elaine. And Elaine literally says, no, it will not. (sighs) Elaine, you trashy person. I literally am like, please don't kill Cassian. (laughs) I can't So I didn't really understand this part. I know that you think this is like a premonition for a future book. I do. A lot of Um, people think that. Well, I I kind of 
I kind of felt like she was referring to Highburn when mm. they were in Highburn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what she was talking about. She's talking about like Highburn snapped his wings and broke your bones, uh-huh. and Cassian is like, "Well, it's gonna take a lot more than that to kill me." And she said, "No, it won't." Don't, don't. <laughs> I can't take that's it. It's so creepy. Um, yeah, I hate that. She's a seer. And so, anyways, I feel like that's the part where people most, or most people are pointing to and saying, like, is Cassian going to die? No. Is she predicting his death? No. <laughs> I'm going to, like, hyperventilate. I know. No. And if he does, he'll come back. I mean, how many times has Favor died? Like, <laughs> <laughs> once, question mark? Or am, am I forgetting a time? Maybe I'm skipping ahead. But <laughs> Anyways, um, so that happens. Uh, I can't, I can't, I can't, if, I love Cassian. Me too. I don't know what I would do. Burn the house down. I think that it would be really hard for me to keep reading. But I mean, I would. I know I would read. But that would be a death that really, really hurts. I would have a hard time. I read a book one time where, I won't say the name of the book. I'm sure you all know it. <laughs> I, I won't. I won't attack any authors. Um, I read a book one time where it was in first person point of view, and they killed off the first person. The first person, <laughs> and even if it hadn't been a first person, like I'm just a firm believer, you don't kill off your main characters. No, you don't kill off your cinnamon rolls. You don't kill <laughs> off your like who it's in the point of view of you know you just and if you're gonna kill them off tastefully bring them back like Sarah J Moss did <laughs> in book one yeah you spoiler know. alert for the end of this book book one somebody dies wait who oh Vera. Vera. I thought you were talking about Reese no Reese I'm on page Vera. page 666 where he dies well um joke's on you you did the spoiler I was talking about book one I did say spoiler but anyway alert. like tastefully bring them back if you want to kill them that's fine but they need to come back yeah and this book did not do that and i i, I don't want to make light of not akawar the book no that no, no. Tra- yeah the book about. i'm talking about with the unknown author that i will mm-hmm. not disclose but I, and i don't want to make light of ptsd so i don't want to use that um in a light sense but i i had a um Ever since then, I have a strong reaction to books. Like, mm-hmm. I'm really bad about Googling, is this a happily ever after? Mm-hmm. And, and like, and there's a very specific thing you can Google. You can say, like, A Court of Wings and Ruin, is this a happily ever after? No spoilers. Mm-hmm. And it you'll just get it either yes or no. Yeah. And I do that with books. Unless it's someone that I know only writes happily ever afters. Like, I think it's Jennifer L. Armentrout who only writes happily ever afters. Mm-hmm. Like, I trust her. I'll just read them. But ever since then, I'm like, I'm not investing all of these emotions to be devastated. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's Which not tasteful. Not, it's not always a promise with other author, authors. No. Like, you you really could be really hurt. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm hearing you say that that is, like, <laughs> embedded trauma for you. It is. It is. I <laughs> so mean. So, like, I'm legitimately concerned about Cassian, though. When it happened with this other book that mm-hmm. I won't name, I, I didn't even finish the book. Like, I read ahead to see if they were going to magically bring her back to life, mm-hmm. and then they didn't. And I just, like, tossed the book in my laundry hamper and left it there for a year at the bottom mm-hmm. of my laundry hamper, because I felt that was the most disrespectful place I could put the book. <laughs> like, 
a dirty laundry hamper. I'm dead. Oh my god. You no, feel really. very strongly about this. I really do. Like, I'm very passionate about it, and it stresses me out. And so, like, you can't kill Cassian. Like, I really hope not. Really I'm like getting not. sweaty. Like <laughs> talking. About okay. This. Let's do some deep breaths. Cassian is not currently dead. Some grounding exercises. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. No, so. Yeah, but I think she's kind of already done that with, is it? Yeah, it's Wings and Ruin where, like, we get maybe this. Okay, I'm saying a lot of different sentences right now. Elaine saying this could be an allusion to what happens in War and Ruin where they're up against Tyburn mm-hmm. and, like, he doesn't die. We know, we already know by the end of this book and because of Silver Flame that, like, Cassian makes it mm-hmm. through that really trauma, like, He's, he was just about dead. So it could be an allusion to that, mm-hmm. right? And so Cassian's, or Cassian, Cassian has already had his near-death experience, yeah. right? Like, it's over. Well, and I have to wonder, you know, I'm, I'm reading some books right now that you recommended, and I won't talk about them because I don't want there to be spoilers or anything, but there are, like, um, seers in mm-hmm. those books. Yeah. And they can see... A lot of different perspective possibilities. Yeah, possibilities. And so I almost wonder if, you know, Elaine, I wish I knew if Elaine could see different possibilities or if it was like definite or in stone. Because it may Mm -hmm. have been that she saw what would happen to Cassian if Nesta hadn't stepped in. Yes. That's what I think too. I think that there's a possibility that this like prophecy that she's saying, no, it won't, is that. Where like, he could have died. Yeah, this would kill didn't. you if someone mm-hmm. had not stepped in yes. and it hadn't been Nesta. Which is like the most <sighs> romantic thing. I don't know. I just love that. She literally Saving like, each other from near death is so romantic. <laughs> but she like, oh, we're going to talk about it anyways, but she yeah. literally like puts her body over his and is like, I'm, I can't, I won't live if you're not. <laughs> like, I, I simp after them so hard. They're my they're my Very absolute precious. favorite. Because it's the sunshiny and the grumpy one. Yeah. But Cassian's the sunshiny and she's I the grumpy. love that. I want the sunshine to be the dude. I love that. Oh my god. That's why I, I love Cassian so much. I think it's because he's like my husband. <laughs> we always talk about how we're obsessed with Cassian and Reese because Brandy sees attributes of Cassian in mm-hmm. her husband and mm-hmm. I always see attributes of Reese in my own. Yes. So like anytime we're talking about it, we're like we're Feyre, Reese and Cassian and Nesta. Nesta. Yeah. Just cuz there there's just a lot of similarities there and yes. it's funny. I love um, it. Which I think I read one time. I don't know where I got this and I can't cite it, so it could totally be made up in my head. But did I read one time that um, Sarah J. Moss, like, based Reese on, on her own husband? I think so. I, th- I think so, too. Mm-hmm. I've read that. So, I don't know if it's true or not, though, because, you know, internet. I don't think there's any realistic human man that could properly Live compare, but, yeah. Because yeah. it's a man written by a woman. Yeah. But, I can, I mean, I can see, you know, and I can totally see your husband being mm-hmm. Cassian. Like, that's, I can, mm-hmm. What a goofball. I love it. That, obviously, I have a type. Saying, <laughs> okay, so finally we get the scene between Feyre and Nesta where they're gonna go to the library, and Nesta tells Feyre she didn't realize that Feyre never learned to read, and we were all like, "Oh my God, how could you say that?" But anyways, Feyre asks this question that like I think we all really wanted the answer to, um, to understand Nesta more. She's like, 
why do you push everyone but Elaine away? Mm -hmm. And then, like, before she can answer that, they, like, basically are put into this crisis mode of, like, those two guys pursuing them. So that was, like, a really, I think, purposeful writing technique where Mm -hmm. it's, like, we were about to get a heart-to-heart, and then, like, boom, a crisis happens. And so we never get the answer to that. And that was so frustrating to me. But, yeah, so the guys are, like, running, and they chase them all the way to the bottom of the mm-hmm. library, and this is where we find, like, Briaxis. Oh, Briax. Briaxis. Whatever. We have different pronunciations for <laughs> every single thing. I love it. Um, I, I just, oh, Briaxis is such a small bean monster. You think he's a small bean monster? <laughs> he's terrifying. I love him. But I love the dynamic between Cassie and Briaxis because of, like, all of the memes People play on that so hard. Briaxis is just so kind of pure. Like, he just wants to eat people and look out his window. That's and there's the just thing. simplicity in that. Window. I think, like, later we circle window. back to that. And so when that happened, where Pharaoh was like, we'll get you whatever you want. And everyone was like, be quiet. Like, he just wants a window. Well, We're first he just wants window. company. Yeah. He just wants somebody to talk to. And Pharaoh was like... We got that. We can handle that. I'll come talk to you. Hey, she was like, are you sure you don't want anything else? <laughs> I always love, um, I see a lot comparing Feyre to like, comparing <laughs> Feyre to like a dog rescuer. Like she just goes around collecting these like poor monsters Distraught, that yeah. need mommies oh and my she God. makes deals with them. And Have you seen the one where she's like, the meme is like a lady holding up a smartphone and videoing something that says, you're doing great, sweetie. It's from Mean, no, no, it's not from Mean Girls, but I know what you're talking about. That is hilarious, talking about Braxis and the Bone like Carver the, and, and the Weaver, like, all at the battle, and she's, like, videoing them all. I love that. Farrah's just mom. She's just the mom in the group, and I 100%. love it. I love it. 100%. <laughs> Okay, so the situation with the Ravens and Briaxis is what kind of tips everybody off that Elaine is a seer. Because she said the thing, and they were like, okay, this makes makes sense now. She kind of is seeing the future. Yeah, and the people that attack the library, like one of them's real pale, and the other one's real dark. I think it was dark hair and white hair. And they were considered the king's ravens, and that's how they made the connection. So we know now Elaine's a seer. Yes. And that, like, Reese didn't know anything about it because the library has wards, and so Clotho had, like, rang a spelled bell, and Cassian showed up first, and Cassian is the one that helped Nesta and Feyre out of the situation. And this is when we see kind of a... I don't know, I, it was a moment between Nesta and Cassian where he, like, saw the fear on Nesta's face. Mm-hmm. And she was so distraught. And she comes running up to Cassian and she's like, Feyre's back there. Like, go help Feyre. And I was like, oh, man, she actually cares about her sister. The only time Nesta shows, like, human feelings is when someone's in danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was like, I don't know, that was a glimpse into the fact that she does care for her for Feyre. We know she hears about mm-hmm. Elaine, but anyways. So and we, Cassian helps them out. And Feyre's first mom instinct is to get Nesta out. Mm-hmm. So, of course. She, like, sends her running, and that's when uh, Nesta runs into mm-hmm. Cassian. And we find that out in the first perspective because Reese kind of shows Feyre in her brain of, like, what happened. Mm-hmm. And also the Ravens talk about how 
the queens, like one queen went in for immorta- immortality and came out like an old crone. And mm-hmm. so this kind of, they, they think, the ravens think they're like teasing them, but actually they're giving them some good information that they need to know that the cauldron's kind of spent. Mm-hmm. So joke's on you. <laughs> so then the very dramatic of like, make sure everybody's indoors because Amron is going on a hunt. Yes. <laughs> she spends the night hunting in Belarus, but she didn't find anything. After she makes the deal with Braxis. We talked about that already. Yes, we did. Uh, small bean. <laughs> so then this is where we find out that Prince Varian and Amran are talking. Yeah. And she sends, he sends Amran a warning to like get ready. Yes. But I, I feel like it's important to note like with the bargains... Mm-hmm. You get a tattoo, and Reese was so mad oh, that Farah made a deal with Braxis. Like, not mad at her per se, but oh, I think he was mad at her. Oh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> he thought that was a bad choice. Yeah, and so, and he like just kills the ravens with his bare hands instead of using magic. Mm-hmm. I feel like he misted them. I feel like I forgot. I feel like I go through moments where I just I'm like, oh, Reese, baby, I love him, <laughs> and then like I forget he's actually a really dangerous killing machine. Mm-hmm. And like moments like this, I'm like, oh man, <laughs> oh yeah, he oh. can do that. <laughs> Yikes. So, hmm. oh well, yeah. So then they basically go to the summer court to help, right? But nobody else is helping Summer. Oh, they find out about. Yeah, because of Varian. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Varian warns them that Hybern has attacked the Summer Court. And even mm-hmm. though there's, like, warrants out for their murder, because with the blood rubies, mm-hmm. they, they're they like, oh, it's our buddies. Yeah, so they so go like, help. we're going to go help. Um, which is a great move on their part. Yeah. So this is where we find out that Cassian can't come because of the thing, the building. I thought he just went. Oh, did he? I think he just went. Um, oh, that was in the first. That, that was, was in yeah. Mystery. Yeah. I think they all went because Farah and Moore fight together, and yes. they get to the the castle and yeah, um, kind of round everybody up. And I just found a really good. Is um, this the first time we see Moore in like combat? Yes. Yeah, because they just mention like so. Basically, she's the third, but it's mission mentioned in passing like. She's the one we bring in when all else fails. Mm-hmm. So we have this idea that, like, she's really bad A, you know, and, like, it's really good at combat, but we never see it until here. Yeah. So that's really cool, and, and she is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pharaoh holds her own, too. For sure. So that's, you know. But this is where um, she, like, tries to zoom, kind of zone into, like, Reese's mind and see where he's at because she's wondering where he is. Yeah. I feel like that's so distracting. I don't know. But she, like, that's basic. Since this is a first-person book, that's kind of how we get to see that scene of, like, Reese with Hyburn. But Hyburn was a projection. Yeah. A hologram. He wasn't actually there. Something, yeah. I can't remember. Didn't Reese, like, lock her in? Mm-hmm. Like, once she went into his mind, he was like, I can't be distracted with you going yes. in and out and, like, locks her in. Yeah. He's like, he closes the door and he's like, just watch. <laughs> be here. Yay, don't die back in your body. <laughs> so obviously the king is mad about what Farah did to Branna and Dagden, and he says that it'll take everything Reese has to try and stop him and it won't be enough. Oh, that's foreshadowing. Yikes. If you and haven't read the end of this book, 
you're in the wrong place. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it feels wrong to say, but Reese is going to die. He says, the king says to Reese, he's going to take Feyre as she mourns over Reese's corpse. Oh, that makes me sweaty. Mm. And not in a good way. Mm. Ooh, so, I hate that. Like, that just gives me the skivvies. I don't, mm. Yeah. And to know, like, you've read the book, you know he actually does die. And, like, that's the intention. And you're, ugh. That was kind of, uh, oh, I'm not even going to say the character's name because that could be a spoiler alert. But, like, that gives me some other character vibes. That is, they're a very sac- self-sacrificial character. And everybody's just like, oh, my God, again? Yes. Yeah. We just had to mouth the name of the character. Yeah, we, just we won't spoil it for you. Um, they're actually they talk about a lot of similarities, really? characteristics with those two characters. Um, anyway, unimportant. So yeah, that's terrible. And I feel like the king almost kind of eh, maybe tries to win win Reese over to his way of thinking with this conversation. Yeah, because he, he basically gives his side of the story of, like, why why the war, you know, and but we still end up disagreeing with him on, yeah. like, the whole humans and fae situation. Also, it's important to note that while the king is here, he's got, like, a damper on Reese's magic to mm-hmm. keep him from, like, blasting everyone, which when he disappears, Reese blasts everyone, but still... yeah. That's that's a lot of power. Anything mm-hmm. that can damper Reese is eek. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay, so I think that might be have to be the last thing we say in this one. Okay. I thought we'd started the next one already. No. <laughs> this is the end of this one. Okay. Okay. Oh, so, so much. We'll pick up, I guess, right after the summer court in our next one. So, do you have any invitations? Anything you're inviting in lately? I know I didn't think about mine either. I would say um, I've kind of taken a little bit of a fantasy break with mm-hmm. reading, mm-hmm. and I've really been devouring rom-coms. I don't know if it's because February, Valentine's Day, or what, but um, I've really just been reading a lot of romantic comedies. I'm reading um, The Unhoneymooners right now, which is hilarious. Um, yeah, I've just kind of been going through those, and mm-hmm. I, I love the laughing out loud, and that there's always a good ending, and you know, it's just, it's been light, I don't want to say light reading, because they're great stories, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, there's not all the sacrifice and trauma and everything right. of fantasy. So. Or even world building, because I feel like yeah. most rom-coms, they don't focus so much on the world building or the setting, because it's most likely just like yeah. present day Earth. <laughs> <laughs> where like epic right. fantasy you have to like learn a new world and a magic system and all of that stuff yeah so what have you been inviting in <clears throat> i would say i'm inviting in more lattes oh because i did a thing lately where i was just like kind of restricting all of the sugary drinks and i've just been drinking black coffee for a long time mm-hmm. but now that i'm over that I've been having more lattes, and I've realized how much of a treat they are to me. Mm -hmm. Like, getting a latte in the morning as opposed to just drinking black coffee, which I'm a full-fledged, self-proclaiming caffeine addict. Like, I need coffee, but having the latte instead of black coffee is so nice. 
a latte is like dessert Mm -hmm. masking itself as an adult breakfast. Yes. Which is great. Which I kind of treat it like that, like as a breakfast, because it has plenty of calories, you know, enough to be breakfast that sometimes I'll just have a teeny tiny something with my latte and that... Milk has protein. Yeah. Keeps me full. So basically, it's a really awesome health move. (laughs) Um, yes. (laughs) And I do make some substitutions, like I use coconut milk and I usually do half sweet, so it's not... So sugary, you know, and it's 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 better than you could get with just like a 500 calorie latte. Typically, it's a lot less than that, but still not outstanding. But I'm inviting it in anyways. Well, that's great. Yeah. And then so I found some resources for this book that I'm gonna include on our next episode. So just get ready for some book recommendations on some of the topics that we've talked about in this one. And so we might talk about books and and podcasts to look into if you're interested in some of the same, like, mental health stuff we've been discussing. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. All right. Well, then I guess we'll see everybody in episode three. Yeah. See you next time. Bye.